Welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, recorded on 12th of May and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and the team this week comprises John Plush as recording engineer, Carol Hartle on copying and admin, and our readers today are Phil Lee Hello. and Jane Fairs. Hello. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our recording today. As always, we will include, first of all, a list of useful telephone numbers, then what's on in the local theatres, etc., followed by the headline stories, a selection of general news stories, some sport, and then finishing up with the thought for the week, sunrise and sunset times, and of course, the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please do get in touch and we can add it to the file. Obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We do like to hear from you, so if you have any comments or problems, a message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767766. Alternatively, just put a note in your wallet. Finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5, 1DA. So let's start this week with the telephone numbers, which Jane is going to read for us. Wilds Lane, 01905 767766. Listeners should be aware that this is not manned daily and need to be patient if a reply is required. Police, non-emergency, 101. NHS Direct, 111. Out of hours, medical assistance, 0300 123 3211, between 6 and 8pm. Crime Stoppers, 0800 555 111. Worcester Hub, 01905 765 765. Worcestershire County Council here to help. 01905 768053. Option 3. Community Risk Team Fire Safety. 0800 032 1155. Domestic Abuse Helpline. 0800 980 3331 Sense Adventures Walking for Visually Impaired D. Jones 01684 891297 or 0790-144614 Samaritans, 116123. Worcester Live, 01905 611427. Morven Theatres, 01684 892277. Thank you, Jane. And now I'll just run through a few of the things that are on the What's On page. So let's begin in Malvern and the Festival Theatre. 
From Monday, May the 16th to Saturday, May the 21st, the theatre is showcasing the West End musical Footloose. Based on the 1980s screen sensation, this production apparently sizzles with spirit, fun and the best in UK musical talent. Evening performances start at 7.30pm and there are matinees on Wednesdays and Sat- well, on Wednesday and Saturday at 2.30pm. Ticket prices vary significantly, so it's best to ring the box office on 01684892277. At the Swan Theatre in Worcester, there's a stage performance of Julia Donaldson's wonderful children's book, The Gruffalo. Described as an interactive sensation for both children and parents alike, this show will be performed on Tuesday the 24th and Wednesday the 25th of May at various times. Uh, for more information, you'll need to ring the box office on 611-427. Quiz night next. This is being put on by the Rotary Club of Pershaw in support of Ukraine at the St Andrews Centre in Pershaw on Friday, May the 20th. It's a 7 for 7.30pm start. Tickets are priced at £10 per person, but with a £1.37 booking fee. And they're available from eventbrite.co.uk. That's all lowercase. And finally, the English Symphony Orchestra will be performing Bach in Worcester at the Royal Porcelain Works on Sunday, May the 22nd. The programme will include some of Bach's most famous compositions, from his orchestral suite number no. two in B minor to his violin concerto in E major. Tickets for the concert, which is at 3pm, are £18 each and are available at eso.co.uk, and that is all lowercase as well. So, let's get on with the headlines, and Phil is going to read all the headlines from the week and then start with the first story. Okay, we'll start with Friday, May the 6th. Pull no punches. Calls for report into death of white-collar boxer to be made public. Saturday, the party's over. Tories lose control as leader blames Boris Partygate effect. Monday, May the 9th. I saw thief spending my cash. Robbed university student watches helplessly on closed-circuit television. Tuesday, trip home ends in stabbing. City man fighting for life after stabbing on return to Poland. Wednesday, May the 11th. BMX track plans step up a gear. Location of £60,000 park revealed. And today, bridge arrest. Man charged with abusive behaviour after late night incident. So we'll start with the boxing story, which was last Friday. A report on the death of a white-collar boxer should be made public to help make the activity safer, says a councillor. The call comes after Dominic Chapman died after fighting in an ultra-white-collar boxing event at a nightclub. Worcestershire Regulatory Services has said that they will be investigating the event and what happened. Now, Councillor Richard Udall, City and County Councillor for St John's, wants the findings to be openly available so that Worcester's venues and events can be checked for safety. He said, I have just written to Worcestershire Regulatory Services to ask for the report to be made public and if we can discuss it at the City Council Licensing Committee how boxing could be made safer at licensed venues. Licensing is about public protection. We need to make sure venues and events are safe for all involved. 
It's clearly a contact sport with risks. We need to see how the risks can be minimised. Paramedics battled to save Mr Chapman, who attended Blessed Edward Alcorn Catholic College, after he suffered serious injuries. He collapsed in the ring at the event held at Tramps Nightclub on Saturday, April 9th, and later died in hospital. Worcester City Council did not confirm if the report will be released to the public, but said the event was conducted, quote, in line with the venue's licence. A Worcester City Council spokesman said, This tragic incident was reported to the regulatory services and an investigation is being carried out. The police are also aware. We can confirm that the charity boxing event was conducted in line with the licence. Dominic Chapman's family declined to comment. Worcestershire regulatory services deal with a wide variety of issues across the county, including licensing, health and safety and public health. And this is the second. Uh, It's Saturday, May the 7th. The party's over. Conservatives have lost control of the City Council after a number of defeats in the local elections. Council leader and Tory boss Mark Bayliss threw in the towel before a result was officially announced at Thursday night's election count, blaming the ongoing Partygate scandal for the party's poor performance in Worcester. The party, which gained control of Worcester City Council just last May, lost three seats, meaning the authority has now moved back to no overall control. Leaving early, Councillor Bayliss said, Partygate has had a big impact on our turnout and people have decided to stay at home. Asked whether the scandal was the only reason for the potential loss of seats, Councillor Bayliss said, not really. On the boar steps, it's been about Boris Johnson. I take that to be partygate rather than a general government performance. That's my perception. Nobody is really saying anything about the cost of living. I'm sure it's biting, but I don't necessarily think that the public blame the government for that. Two big gains for the Green Party in Battenhall and St Peter's and a Labour gain in the Nunnery Woodward means the City Council now has 15 Conservative, 12 Labour, 6 Green and 2 Lib Dem councillors. Tom Piotrowski was elected in Battenhall for the Greens almost a thousand votes in front of the Conservatives and fellow Green Steve Cockerham won in a previously Tory stronghold St Peter's. Labour regained control of the nunnery ward after losing one of three seats to Tory Jim Carver last year. With Pat Agar re-elected and a new candidate, Basharat Ali, picking up the second highest number of votes. Two seats were up for grabs in the nunnery ward following the sudden resignation of Jim Carver before the election. Elsewhere in the city, Mel Alcott was emphatically re-elected for the Lib Dems in Claines with 1,933 votes, almost 1,400 ahead of her nearest rival. Shafaz Ditter was narrowly elected in Bedwardine, one of the handful of seats the Tories managed to hold, finishing with 841 votes, just 23 ahead of Labour's Sue Smith. Andy Roberts was also re-elected in the Warndon Parish, South Ward, 
and Tory colleague Stephen Hodgson, who is coming towards the end of his mayoral year, was re-elected in the neighbouring Warndon Parish North Ward. And Mohammed Altaf was re-elected in the Gorse Hill Ward. Labour held the Warden Ward with Jill Desera victorious over Chris Rymel for the Conservatives and Jabba Rias was re-elected in the Cathedral Ward. The party also held on to the Rainbow Hill Ward, with Zoe Cookson finishing on 535 votes, 235 ahead of the Conservatives, and Matt Lamb was also re-elected in St John's. And the headline for Monday, May the 8th, Sorry, can't read. May the 9th, I saw thief spending my cash. A man watched on CCTV as a suspected thief swiped his credit card shop in a shop, flashing the victim's distinctive red apple watch as he did so. Sharug Sheikh could only watch helplessly via his banking app as the thief went on a spending spree in McDonald's and Tesco Express. The 26-year-old was the victim of a break-in at his shared accommodation in Albany Court, Lursmore. The university student realised £1,796 worth of luxury items had been stolen, including a £500 Apple Watch, £450 Samsung Note phone, £660 of birthday money and an £80 pair of Samsung earphones and a rail card. Mr Sheikh realised the items had been taken on Monday, April the 25th, after a weekend of playing FIFA in the communal kitchen. The thief spent £8.33 in McDonald's, £26.24 in Tesco Express, and had spent £22.88 and £11.95 in Checkett's News Food and Wine in Lowesmore. The owner of Checkett's showed Mr Sheikh the CCTV, which captured the moment the thief used his card. Mr Sheikh said, I'm feeling so stressed because I can't fall behind on my bills and I can't get it back from my bank. I feel scared to live in my accommodation because the thief has my name, address and birth date and I don't know who is going to show up at the door. The police have given up hope even though I have CCTV footage of him using my card. The victim, who is originally from Chennai, India, said he did not suspect anything until Monday when he decided to book a train ticket to Manchester and couldn't find his phone. He said, I couldn't find my phone to book. I have two phones, one for banking and booking purposes, and this one went missing. I went to India in March and my dad had given me £700 in cash and I was going to use £600 of it for a solo trip to France for my birthday. I feel frustrated, but I feel sad because my birthday plans have been cancelled. I want to move house. Every time I leave my room, I try to kick the door at least once before leaving, just to make sure the door is really locked. Worcester News has contacted West Mercia Police for a comment, but they did not respond before the paper went to press. Tuesday's story was headlined, Trip Home Ends in Stabbing. A man was left in a coma fighting for his life after being stabbed following a failed robbery in his hometown. Matthias Gawronski from Rose Avenue, Worcester, was visiting Bielava in Poland when he was attacked by three men who attempted to steal his phone and money. Mr Gawronski ran away from the attackers and managed to keep hold of his possessions. 
The 28-year-old, known as Matt or Gummy Bear to his friends, was beaten and stabbed three times, leaving him in a critical condition. The construction site worker, who previously worked at Worcester Bosch, is fighting for his life in hospital. Family and friends are hoping to raise £5,000 for Mr Gavronsky to cover his medical bills and rehabilitation. A Polish fundraising page has already been set up and the English donation page on Just Giving was set up yesterday, that's Monday, with an anonymous user already donating £20. Samantha Jagielczuk, who is a friend of Mr Gavronsky, said he's in a coma for now but if he wakes up he will need help to stand up on his feet. We do not yet know how... Uh, His brain is damaged. Hopefully he will recover. The English fundraising page is working now. Matt is still in a coma. We're waiting for him to wake up. The 28-year-old who lives with a friend in a house share has a passion for boxing and trains regularly at a local boxing club. The friend said Matt was a born fighter. She continued, He was in love with boxing and training regularly in one of the Worcester clubs. Lovely sweet boy, everyone will tell you that. The police investigation is underway and the Polish police are searching for the three men who reportedly attacked Mr Gavronski. No one has been arrested for the attempted robbery. To donate, visit, and this is all small case, justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash, and I'm going to spell this, M-A-T-E-U-S-Z, G-A-W-R-O-N-S-K-I, help. And this is the headline for Wednesday, May the 11th, the BMX track plan step up a gear. The BMX track is set for the city. It's a long-awaited bike track and it's set to be built on the edge of the city under new plans. The circular BMX track will be built in Battenhall Park on the edge of St Peter's in Worcester and is set to cost around £60,000. Work to bring the new facility to the south of the city is finally taking place after years of campaigning and there is hope that it will be completed within the next 12 months. Calls to bring a new track were also made by by young cyclists in St Peter's including Nunnery Wood pupil Tom Rebeck who had presented the case for the much-needed facility to the parish council. Councillor Alan Tidy, Vice-Chairman of St Peter's Parish Council and Chairman of the Friends of St Peter's Parks, said outdoor facilities for the area's youngsters were desperately needed. We believe the location is perfect as it is in a natural dip in the park and at some distance from surrounding houses, ensuring that it's as unobtrusive as possible, he said. The extensive local pedway network in St Peter's will ensure that many of our young residents can access the facility safely on their bikes without venturing out onto the public highway. I have been after this kind of facility for some years and am very grateful for the City Council for agreeing to fund it, given the paucity of leisure provision for secondary school-aged children in the south-east of Worcester. Earlier this year... The council report revealed that the amount of play areas in the city was at least 12 acres short of its own targets. Work carried out as part of the review of the South Worcestershire Development Plan shows that there is more than four acres of space set aside in the city for children's play areas for those up to 12 with the amount of space set aside for play areas for children up to 17 years old 
is significantly poorer and short by at least 10 acres. Funding for the project was included in this year's City Council budget. St Peter's councillors will be meeting with staff from Worcester City Council later this week to discuss the ongoing work and proposed location of the track in more detail. And finally, the headline for Thursday, May the 12th. Bridge arrest. Man charged with abusive behaviour after late night incident. And uh, for reference, the photo on the front page is of the bridge crossing Worcester, the main bridge into town, and it is lined with four police cars, a, uh, an ambulance and another emergency response vehicle. A man arrested in relation to an incident in New Road yesterday has been charged. Adam Smith, 29, of Dry Thistle Close Bromyard, has been charged with using threatening, abusive or insulting words or behaviour to cause harassment, alarm or distress. He has been bailed to appear at Worcester Magistrates Court on Thursday, June the 16th. There were reports of a man on the wrong side of the bridge on Tuesday morning. Eyewitnesses saw a large presence of emergency service vehicles. And that's short and sweet and all there is. So we will carry on now with a selection of other stories from the week's news. Right, we're going to start with the HRT crisis. A Worcester pharmacy has stepped in and made an appeal to women affected by the recent hormone replacement therapy shortage. The lack of HRT products has become a national crisis, with the government saying earlier this week that women will only be able to get three months of products such as oestrogel, a vestin cream and some Premic tablets. The government says the temporary measure will help ensure more women can access the medication amidst shortages. A spokesman for Kitson's Pharmacy in Broad Street said, As you may be aware, there are currently national shortages across the UK. Please get in contact with us if you are struggling to obtain any medications. Contact us on 01905 22861 and we can advise availability. Diane Porterfield-Bourne, who runs face-to-face and virtual menopause clinics through Worcestershire company Born to Care, says the situation is, quote, the worst it has ever been. The 51-year-old who runs clinics in Worcester told us, There have been fluctuations in supplies for months and years, but it is starting to get really crucial now. I'm running out of options, what I can prescribe. It's got to the point women I don't know and have never seen before are phoning me in a panic about what to do. Some drug providers have highlighted a surge in demand for HRT drugs as a result of the Davina effect, the screening of the Channel 4 documentary Davina McCall, Sex, Myths and the Menopause. The government has set up a new HRT task force to tackle the shortage. Health Secretary and Bromsgrove MP Sajid Javid said, I understand how much women rely on HRT, which is why we will leave no stone unturned. That's why I've taken a decision to appoint Madeleine McTurman to head the task force, and she will use her expertise to bolster the supply of vital medicines to women. And this story is about a landmark up for sale. A prominent and historic riverside building has gone on the market for £750,000. The distinctive black-and-white building, known as the Old Rectifying House on North Parade, has been listed for sale by AMT Commercial. It is home to the restaurant and cocktail bar of the same name, which is the city's only venue mentioned in the Michelin Guide.
The old wreck has been closed since being hit by flooding in February, caused by Storm Eunice and Storm Franklin. A message on the venue's website was posted on February the 22nd, which said, We've had a bit of a flood, currently closed, will update when ready again. That message still remains on the website ten weeks later. The venue has now been flooded three times in the past three years, following floods in January last year and in February 2020. In February 2020, the flood led to an extensive refurbishment with a new kitchen and bathrooms, the bar having to be rebuilt. The listing on AMT Commercial notes the risk of flooding, stating that measures have been taken to address the issue. It reads, the River Severn is approximately 12 metres south of the property frontage. In the past, the property has flooded. To mitigate this risk, the property has temporary flood barriers installed across the rear and main entrance, which prevents water from entering the property. As an additional measure, a catch-pit sump has been planned to be constructed to capture surface water with pumps to discharge water across the boundary wall. The old rectifying house is up for sale for £750,000, but alternatively it's available for rent at £50,000 per annum. The listing describes it as a landmark property on a very busy arterial route. It adds that the property is a two-storey building with access from both North Parade and Newport Street at the rear via a beer garden. The pub's name comes from the fact that the rear of the building was once part of the Williams Distillery. The rating value of the property is listed as £50,000 and this is the figure which determines business rates for the property. Launch date revealed. The target opening date for the city's new bargain discount supermarket has been revealed. And the developers behind the new little supermarket in Droitwich Road have said construction work has been completed. Andrew Fisher, Managing Director of Ashfield Land, said the building working has been completed. It was finished a month ago. Little has now moved in and are fitting it out with shelving and stocking it up for the little sign will go up. The target date for opening is the last week of August, the beginning of September. Staff are in the process of being trained before the opening. Around 40 full and part-time jobs are understood to have been created. Contractor Benjamin Construction moved onto the site on the car park of JVC Castings, Worcester, in June 2021. The workers involved demolishing a small, underused part of the casting specialist's factory and moving the staff car park to the side to make way for the new supermarket. The site received planning permission from Worcester City Council in 2020. The new supermarket will be the chain's third little in the city, with stores already open in Blackpool and Newtown Road. The 2,200-square-metre supermarket will include a bakery and self-service checkouts, a 110-space car park including six disabled bays and eight parent and child spaces is forming part of the site. The existing car park to the front of JVM Castings is being moved to the side with a total of 125 car parking spaces provided for the factory. 
Rachel Hargreaves, Regional Head of Property at Lidl, said, We're extremely grateful for all the support that we have received so far and would like to thank everyone for their patience and understanding whilst we enter this next phase of the development. Carl Murcott, Director at JVM Castings, also told us, Worcester is our home and this reorganisation and regeneration of the site will guarantee our future here for many years to come. The scheme allows us to upgrade our site and face forwards with confidence. And the next one is Green's call for unity. The city's Green councillors have said they want to see a collaborative council involving all political parties after a number of election defeats for the Conservatives saw the authority fall into no overall control. The council's Green leaders, who are still celebrating two big wins in Batten Hall and St Peter's on May the 5th, are pushing to create this council and want to see all four political parties work together in the best interests of the city, with the leaders of the two biggest parties jointly taking the reins. Councillor Louis Stephen, leader of the City Council's Green Group, said, We already have a committee system that involves all councillors from all political parties in decision-making. No one party has a majority, so we're pushing for the council to be led jointly. With the dual threats of the cost of living crisis and the climate emergency, it is more important than ever for the political groups to put their traditional animosity aside and work on the most pressing issues facing our city. There are currently 15 Conservative councillors in the Guildhall, alongside 12 from Labour, 6 Greens and 2 Liberal Democrats. Councillor Mark Bayliss and Councillor Chris Mitchell could remain as leader and deputy leader of the council as the Conservatives are still the largest party. Councillor Marjorie Bissett, deputy leader of the council's Green Group, said, One of our key priorities for the next 12 months will be to reduce fuel poverty by ensuring that the council tackles rogue landlords, especially those whose properties have substandard levels of home insulation. We need to make sure that no one is left behind by ensuring that central government levelling up money is spent in a way that goes to the benefit of those most in need. The City Council will meet in full on May 17th to appoint its leader, deputy leader, mayor and deputy mayor. And this story is about a man in hospital care after a siege. A 52-year-old man who caused a siege involving armed police is not welcome at the family home and may end up sleeping in a tent, a court heard. Darren Potter appeared over video link at Worcester Crown Court for sentence following the siege in Morven on Tuesday, October the 19th. Potter, previously of the Glade in Morven, is being cared for in a hospital facility, St Andrew's Healthcare in Birmingham, after being transferred there from prison where he had been remanded in custody. He admitted a fray and assaulting an emergency worker in the execution of their duties when he had appeared before magistrates in Kidderminster on October the 22nd. Roads surrounding the glade were cordoned off for almost six hours during the incident, which started at 12.25pm. Police finally lifted the cordons round Skirold Road and Moat Way at just before 6.30pm on that day. His advocate, Richard McConaughey, who also appeared over LiveLink, explained that Potter had been transferred to St Andrews in February to assist with his mental health and remains under the care of a doctor. Mr McConaughey 
requested an adjournment and said Potter had made remarkable progress. Probation had suggested a mental health assessment would be useful. He's no longer welcome at the family home and he would have to find other accommodation, said Mr McConaughey. The barrister said Potter was now in a wheelchair but has since been given back a leg brace. Potter mentioned staying in a tent on a campsite. He is realistic and sleeping in a tent on a campsite is not something he's currently capable of doing, said Mr McConaughey. Judge Nicholas Cole said there'd been nothing in writing from the doctors. I really don't understand why six months on there isn't something in writing, said Judge Cole. A doctor present with Potter explained that he had not been asked to repair, uh, prepare a written report but could have one ready within a week. The doctor said at the present time Potter did not meet the criteria for a hospital order to be made in his professional judgment. Judge Cole adjourned the case until Friday, May the 27th for the report to be prepared. Potter was remanded in custody under a Section 48 direction which authorises the transfer to hospital. Teachers back from Ukraine border trip. Three staff members from RGS Worcester have travelled to the Ukraine border to provide support for those in need. Steve Bradley, Keith Breeze and Paul Green made the 1,750-mile journey to buy essentials with over £10,000 raised in their Ukraine appeal. The school is linked up with a charity that provides shelter, medical help and education to disabled children and displaced families fleeing Ukraine. The staff members travelled to the border to ensure that the right items could be purchased and that the funds raised by the school could be put to good use directly where it is needed. They were able to work with the volunteer charity staff to choose exactly the items needed to support the refugees and keep the charity hostel operational. They made sure every item purchased would make a difference, both for current refugees staying there and to support those escaping the conflict in the future. The teachers undertook this journey over the course of a week. They left on Monday, April the 25th and returned on Sunday, May the 1st. The three staff members were greeted by an RGS crowd of supporters thanking them. John Pitt, executive head of the RGS Worcester Family of Schools, said, It has been very moving to see how the RGS community has rallied round to support the people of Ukraine at this time. We are doing all we can to support by raising funds, having a direct impact on the ground, assisting those with relatives caught up in the conflict and providing education to those displaced. Joanna Munro, RGS Director of Finance and Operations, said, Being able to demonstrate to pupils where their donations and fundraising efforts have really made a difference is immeasurable. And still talking of schools, early finish for schools. Schools across Worcestershire will be breaking up for the summer holidays one day early this year. Worcestershire County Council has advised schools to take Friday, July the 22nd as a bank holiday. The council has further advised the extra day's holiday to replace the day off lost as the bank holiday for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, which falls in half term. Schools under the authority of the Worcestershire County Council will be breaking up for their summer holidays on Thursday, July 21. A spokesperson from Nunnery Wood High School said the council has given all schools directions to take that day off in in lieu of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, so at least all of the state schools should be off that day. 
A spokesperson for Worcestershire Children First said the majority of schools are already on half term on the additional bank holiday, so it was agreed by the West Midland Term Dates Consortium that the additional one-day holiday would be taken on that Friday. The additional day has also been recommended to all owned admission authority schools who are responsible for setting their own term dates. The summer term for all community and voluntary controlled schools will end on Thursday 21st of July. A spokesperson for the National National Education Union Worcestershire said teachers most definitely gain by the bank holiday despite falling in a half term. Our contract, that is the School Teachers Pay and Conditions Document, STPCD, set down by Parliament each year, states that we will have 189 and not 190 teaching days directed time, that is, days when we are in front of pupils. Worcestershire County Council has specified the date you state, although academies can set a different date. The situation will also be the same for Worcester Sixth Form. Independent and further education colleges and schools make their own local agreements. And this is about a driver fleeing the crash scene. The police are hunting a driver who fled the scene of a head-on car crash which left a man seriously hurt. The seriously injured man had to be cut from a car following the crash on Abbey Road, Morven at 6.55am yesterday, which is yesterday would be Monday, May the 9th. Police blocked off the road and a force helicopter was in the skies above the town as they hunted the driver after the horror crash. A woman has been arrested on suspicion of perverting the course of justice. Police said that a green Ford Cougar was travelling in the direction of Welland and a grey Ford Fiesta was travelling towards Morven when they collided head-on. The driver of the Ford Cougar fled the scene on foot and the road was closed for hours while police searched the area. The man is described as a white male aged late 20s to early 30s, medium build, wearing shorts and a beige T-shirt. The driver of the Ford Fiesta, a 42-year-old man, suffered serious injuries and was transported to Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham by ambulance. A 28-year-old woman has been arrested on suspicion of perverting the course of justice in relation to the incident. Wells Road was reopened just after 3.30pm after being closed for about eight hours. Officers would like to hear from anyone who was in the area at the time and may have witnessed the collision or have dash cam footage of it. They would also like to hear from anyone who may have seen the man fleeing the scene or know of his whereabouts. Anyone with information or footage is asked to visit westmercia.police.uk slash TUA slash tell us about quoting reference 56i of May the 9th. Anyone with information on the current whereabouts of the driver of the Ford Cougar is asked to call 999. A West Midlands Ambulance Service spokesperson said, We were called to reports of a two-car RTC at the junction of Abbey Road and Wells Road at 6.47am. Two ambulances, a paramedic officer and a merit trauma doctor and a basics doctor attended the scene. On arrival, we discovered one male patient who had to be cut free from one of the cars. He was found to have suffered serious injuries in the collision 
and received specialist trauma care at the scene before being transported to Queen Elizabeth Hospital, Birmingham. Bennett's Farms are celebrating the two-year anniversary of its milk round. The original Bennett's dairy business closed in 1995, and since then the farm had sold all of its milk to a national dairy, with just a fraction going to the family ice cream business. In the midst of the COVID crisis and the first lockdown in March 2020, Tristan and Stefania Bennett investigated whether there was a local demand for a milk delivery service and over the next two months researched and installed a pasteurising unit on the farm. They also bought a new milk float and satisfied the environmental health requirements for pasteurising and selling milk direct from the farm. Deliveries started on May 11th, 2020, with Steph delivering 780 litres of milk to 137 houses around Lower Wick, St John's, Rushwick, Powick, Callowend and Malvern in a vintage milk float. Two years on, a second milk float has been bought, which has enabled the delivery rounds to expand out to Worcester City, Clains, St Peter's, Kemsey, Hallow, Lower Broadheath and Whittington. Steph said it has been fabulous to once again get Bennett's milk out to our local community. Customers often tell me of their fond memories of Bennett's delivering to their homes in past decades and the welcome we have received has been phenomenal. We are so grateful. Farming is having a tough time at the moment and to have received such support from the people of Worcester and Malvern is fantastic. Bennett's Farm, which is now run by fifth-generation farmer Tristan Bennett, will be taking part in the LEAF, L-E-A-F, Charities Open Farm Sunday on June the 12th to allow local people to visit the farm. It is a free event, but will be ticketed to control arrival times. To sign up, visit Bennett's Farms, that's all lowercase, dot co dot uk. Marking 75 years of archives in city. Worcestershire Archive and Archaeology Service has celebrated 75 years since the creation of the Worcestershire Record Office with the gathering of former colleagues, volunteers and members of the Friends of Worcestershire Archives. The Chairman of Worcestershire County Council, Councillor Steve Mackay, and the Lord Lieutenant of Worcestershire's Deputy Lieutenant Sir Nicholas Lechmere attended the event, where a number of special documents were brought out for a display, including some which were included in the first ever Records Office display back in November of 1947. Adrian Gregson, County Archivist at Worcestershire County Council, said it was wonderful to be able to celebrate our fantastic service with the people who have supported it, past and present, as well as welcome the Chairman of the County Council and Deputy Lieutenant. We are very proud of the work that has been done to preserve historically important documents and items in Worcestershire over the last 75 years, and it has been wonderful to celebrate this milestone with people who have been dedicated to preserving those collections. The Archive Service launched in 1947 as a records collection for the documents used by the County Council, but it also contained more specialist collections and later expanded to include diocesan records. Since then, over 12 miles of shelves of documents have been deposited and around 30,000 people a year use the archives and self-service resources in the hive. The archive service is working to expand their current collections to include more documents and items from more diverse communities, as well as focusing on archiving digital records so that future generations can access them. 
More information on 75 Years of the Archives can be found on the Explore the Past website, Latest News, Worcestershire Archive and Archaeology Service at explorethepast.co.uk. And this is about a sheep freed from the fence. A sheep trapped in a wire fence in Worcestershire has been rescued by the RSPCA. Experienced RSPCA inspector Susie Smith was able to free the sheep from the fence in Hanbury near Droitwich on Saturday. The animal welfare charity was contacted after the sheep was found in its difficult predicament by a member of the public by a footpath near Holmes Lane. RSPC inspector Susie Smith said this sheep was clearly distressed and just couldn't escape the fence. Luckily, I was able to free the sheep and she was able to return to her flock straight away as she had managed to escape injury. Sadly, it's a common problem with sheep getting stuck in brambles or fences. It did take some time to get to the location, about an hour and a half, which could have been spent responding to another call as a farmer could have dealt with this situation. What we advise is, as a helpful solution, is for the farmers to put emergency contact numbers on their footpath gates so that if a walker spots a sheep or livestock in a difficult situation, they can contact the farmer directly, who will be there locally to solve the problem quickly. The RSPCA is currently experiencing a high volume of calls. (coughs) Excuse me with trained call handlers prioritising emergency calls to get help as quickly as possible to animals who are at most immediate risk of extreme cruelty and neglect and sick and injured wildlife. The animal welfare charity is encouraging people to only report absolute emergencies and to check the RSPCA website where there is information on how you can help some animals yourself. The charity was called to Worcester City Centre last week after a seagull got caught in netting on top of a building in Broad Street. Initial attempts by the RSPCA inspectors to get to the bird were thwarted because they couldn't access the roof of the building. Eventually, firefighters used a cherry picker to rescue the gull, but it later had to be put down because of its injuries. Last year, the RSPCA received more than a million calls, one every 30 seconds. There are just 408 frontline rescuers covering the whole of England and Wales. End-of-life patients and their loved ones have a new peony-themed quiet place at the Worcestershire Royal Hospital. After two years of planning, the new peony room in the hospital is open to use as a quiet and calming place for families. The Peony Room is away from the busy ward environment and offers visitors and patients refreshments and toiletries. The mural of Peonies on the wall uses pastel colours and was created by Chalk It Up. Bereaved families had highlighted there was a lack of space for relatives and loved ones to go and have some time for themselves. Avril Adams, lead nurse, specialist palliative and end-of-life care team, said... We are delighted to be able to introduce the new Peony Room for the relatives of some of our seriously ill patients. Death and dying is very difficult to deal with, but helping patients and those people important to them at their time of greatest need is hugely important to us. 
Our patients often worry about how their their loved ones are coping, even when they are receiving treatment. The new facilities will help bring great comfort to our patients that we are providing holistic care for people most important to them too. Sophie Burt, Head of Fundraising and Community Development for Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Charity, added, We would like to thank all of our supporters for their donations of both money and items for these projects that make a real difference to our patients. Coffee time. Yay. Or tea time. OK, you can start whenever you want, actually. Baton relay to hit streets. Crowds are expected to line the street when the Commonwealth Baton Relay passes through Worcestershire this summer. The Birmingham 2022 Games will see the 16th edition of the Queen's Baton Relay. The Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Stephen Hodgson, is eagerly awaiting the baton's arrival. He said, We are really delighted that the Queen's Baton Relay is coming to Worcester and hope that as many residents as possible will turn out to line the route and be part of the celebrations. The relay made its inaugural appearance at the 1958 Cardiff Games and has been a tradition ever since. The Birmingham relay began at Buckingham Palace on October the 7th, 2021, when the Queen placed her message to the Commonwealth. The route for the final part of the journey has been revealed today, covering the length and breadth of England. Following a brief stint in London for the Platinum Jubilee weekend, the Baton will continue its international tour before returning to England on July the 4th, ahead of the final 25-day tour of the regions. The relay will arrive in Worcester at tea time on Friday, July the 22nd, with plans to visit the Cathedral, New Road Cricket Ground and the Racecourse. The trip will climax with a celebration at the recently completed Arches development. Each day of the relay will see between 40 and 130 baton bearers taking part. One such runner in Worcester is Philip Fowler, a trustee for the Worcester Community Trust. I was genuinely flabbergasted, he said, when I received a letter inviting me to be a baton bearer, but I'm very proud. To be nominated by the City Council and the Community Trust is a huge honour and I'm very much looking forward to it. Phil Batty, director of the relay, added, We have worked closely with local authorities in England to devise a route that engages with hundreds of communities, passing sports venues, historic sites, local schools and areas of outstanding natural beauty. Yet the Queen's Baton Relay is far more than just a journey. It symbolises connecting people from every corner of the Commonwealth, celebrates baton bearers who take on challenges and marks the countdown to the biggest sporting event in West Midlands history. By the time it returns to England for the final leg, 71 nations and territories will have already experienced the magic that comes with it. We hope that communities across the country join the excitement, attend events near them, line the streets to cheer on our incredible baton bearers and celebrate the Birmingham 2022 Com. Now the article stops there somewhat abruptly, so I'm guessing that it's missed out unwealth games. <laughs> This is about all the people that went to the Three Counties Showground. Thousands of people visited the Three Counties Showground this weekend, that's last weekend, as one of the county's most popular events returned after Covid. Around 100,000 people visited the RHS Malvern Spring Show, which was the first to be held since before the Covid pandemic. Among the visitors was Melanie Meacham, who won tickets to the event. She said she had had an amazing time, thoroughly enjoying the show. 
She said, I won two tickets for the Malvern Spring Show through a Facebook competition set up by Brownie Company Chock Shop. I was over the moon to receive a message to say I'd won, as it was also my son Arthur's third birthday, so it made it extra special. We had a lovely day, and to top it off, the chock shop gave us birthday brownies on them. Also in attendance was the Worcester Ukulele Club. Club member Beverly Abs and her fellow musicians attended the show, playing songs by artists from around the world and raising money for charity. She said it was a really good show with thousands of people there and we had really good attendances over all three days. We raised nearly £300 and were really grateful to everyone who donated. We played everything from High Ho Silver Lining to The Beatles and Sweet Caroline. People sang and danced when we played and we had a lot of fun playing for people in the sunshine. The Ukulele Club was performing to raise money for Pancreatic Cancer UK in memory of a former member who died from the disease. Show's manager, Jane Edwards, said this was our first year back after a two-year break and we couldn't have hoped for a better reception to our 35th anniversary festival. The team have introduced lots of super new features alongside a wide selection of special guests and a range of stunning show and feature gardens. This year's festival had a truly celebratory feel and our gardening and food experts kept visitors entertained and inspired with lots of take-home ideas and tips. The jewel in our crown is the new permanent Platinum Jubilee Garden and we were honoured to receive HRH, the Princess Royal, to plant the final tree in this stunning new space at the showground. A popular riverside path in Worcester is showing no signs of reopening. People who regularly enjoy walking along the slip in Northwick had originally hoped to see the path restored quickly. Councillor Mel Alcott, City Councillor for Clains Ward, said that despite the long closure, there are still no new signs of a reopening. Councillor Alcott said, We're still working towards various solutions and there is no real update at the moment. Officers met residents recently in the area, but everything is very much still a work in progress. When the election period is out of the way, hopefully we can get refocused and try to get more done in the area. Natural erosion has made the path unsafe for walkers and led to a section being closed off from Northwick Lido to steps down to the river near Chasewater Avenue since March. Residents eager to see the return of the popular walking route along the River Severn have placed signs asking for its return amid fears that it could be lost for good. There was more outrage when the beauty spot was fenced off by an eight-foot steel fence in September 2021. Worcester News has contacted Worcestershire County Council for more information. And next story, crime at the heart of the city. West Mercia Police revealed that there are a total of 343 crimes in Cathedral Ward, which covers the entirety of Worcester City Centre, during February. The latest available figures show that there were 128 violence and sexual offence crimes, 59 antisocial behaviour crimes, 39 public order crimes and 30 incidents of shoplifting. There were also additional 13 stop and searches throughout the month performed by police. The figures show that seven of the searches were for controlled drugs, two were for stolen goods, two for articles used in theft 
and a further two were for other objects. Of the 343 crimes, 145 are still classed as under investigation, 54 are listed as investigation complete with no suspect identified, 59 are listed as unable to prosecute suspect, 20 are awaiting a court outcome, 2 were listed as further action not being in the public interest, and on two occasions a defender was given a penalty notice. On a further two occasions, an offender was given a caution. 59 were listed as other. The figures are down from January, which saw 399 crimes. Councillor Jabba Riaz said, January to February is just after the Christmas break and usually the quietest time. Overall, Worcester is a safe place to visit and the majority of crimes happen in the city centre due to our nighttime economy. A lot of the crime is violence, sexual and antisocial behaviour, which is worrying. We want our nighttime economy to be safe, and this is where a lot of police resources need to be focused. And here's a story about um, a, a business that most of us have been using, um, hair. The hair today and for the last 40 years. And if you're going to survive for any length of time in business, it pays to be creative. So handy then that one of the longest running hair salons in Worcester goes by the name of Creations. Run by Kevin Clee, the hair and beauty salon in Sidbury has been around for four decades. No mean feat, given the turbulence of the last few years. Kevin said it's always been a very happy place to work and it's like one big extended family. We have four generations of some families. Not only is Kevin extremely proud of having achieved 40 years in business, he can also look back on a meeting with Prince Charles and the Duchess of Cornwall when they visited the commandery as well as a charity parachute jump. And he takes great pleasure in the fact that numerous girls who learned their trade at Creations have gone on to run their own successful business. Well, of course, when you've been working in a salon for that long, you're bound to have picked up a few strange requests or overheard the odd comment. Like all good salons, discretion is the byword. Most stories cannot be published, says Kevin, but we did hear two grandmothers discussing a family wedding. One said she was wearing a hat and asked her friend if she was. Her friend replied, My daughter wants me to wear a fornicator. The salon was in stitches. I love that story. Right. Uh, crowds flock to delayed 10K. There were happy faces among the crowds as the delayed 2020 Kroll 10K and fun runs finally took place last weekend. The 10K was the highlight of the event as more than 500 runners took part in, in the run starting and finishing at the Kroll playing fields. Runners from across the county took part, including participants from running clubs Worcester AC, Black Pair Joggers and Malvern Joggers. First in the men's race was Ian Radford from Black Pair Joggers with a time of 32 minutes and 49 seconds. In the women's race, first was J.D. Peters from Windle Valley Runners. Below, before the 10K, there were fun runs for youngsters with more than 100 taking part in two events, held over a quarter-mile distance for under-9s and a one-mile for under-16s. The winners of the under-9s race was boy William Neville and girl Lucy Battle 
while the winner of the under-16s was Tom Quinn and Daisy Fitton. Paul Chase, event organiser, said it was expected thousands would be raised from the event, which would be going towards Kroll Parish Council and the Parish Hall. He said, It's nice to finally be able to hold the race, as this was 2020's race after all the cancellations. The turnout is great. This is the biggest we have ever had. Money raised sports the facilities here and other local facilities. And the pages, uh, there were a handful of lovely photographs of all the runners, particularly the young ones. And there's a family that features in three different winning categories. Uh, There's Sam Gromsky, Beth Gromsky and Emily Gromsky. So it's obviously a big running family there. Well done to the Gromskys. Indeed. Man 35 is arrested at court. A 35-year-old man has been arrested from a Worcester court on assault charges after admitting harassment only moments before. Tony Carty admitted harassment when he appeared before Worcester Crown Court on Tuesday, the day his trial was scheduled to begin. However, as soon as sentence was adjourned, he was arrested by officers waiting inside the busy lobby of the court in Fulgate Street and led away to a police van parked outside. The defendant, previously of Palmate Crescent, Hereford, but now understood to be living in Liverpool, pleaded guilty to harassment between July 1, 2019 and June 23, 2020, towards a man and his mother. A further charge of making threats to kill will be permitted to lie on file. However, an application was made for an adjournment because Carty has two outstanding trials. One is due to take place in Wolverhampton Magistrates Court on June the 8th for similar offences. The other trial is listed at Wolverhampton Crown Court for possession with intent to supply Class A drugs, cocaine and heroin, and possession of cannabis on August the 31st, 2018. That trial is scheduled to take place on June the 15th. And this is about a police launch hunt for a man. A man is wanted by police on recall to prison in connection with causing serious injury by dangerous driving. Martin Doran, 24, is wanted by Northamptonshire Police for failing to stop, perverting the Court of Justice and driving whilst disqualified for after an injury which occurred on the A14 on July the 16th. Police are now appealing for information regarding the location of Doran, who has links towards Worcestershire. He's known to travel throughout the UK and Ireland and has other links to Gloucestershire, Birmingham, Cheshire, London, Buckinghamshire and Leicestershire. Anyone who sees Doran or has any information about his whereabouts should call Northamptonshire Police on 101, quoting incident number 21. 0003990034 There's a huge backlog of learner drivers waiting to take their driving tests in Worcester latest figures reveal The Driver and Vehicle Standards Agency booking system has been in has been inundated with people trying to book their driving tests since it reopened after lockdown in April last year It is estimated that around 520,000 people are currently waiting to take their driving tests in Britain. Despite the introduction of additional tests and measures to ease the backlog, learner drivers are still having to wait months to sit their practical exam. According to the website Driving Test Cancellations for All, which checks the DVSA website thousands of times a day for tests, 
learner drivers are having to wait weeks to book a driving test across the UK. The latest figures reveal the waiting time in Worcester is 20 weeks. Findings from learner driver insurance company Marmalade say that they don't expect it to improve until January 2024. A spokesperson for Marmalade said, with the 2021 lockdowns causing carnage to the driving test booking system, we have seen a backlog rumbling on throughout the last 12 months. With the demand for driving tests set to far outweigh the number of slots available at the start of this year, the driving test backlog will reach its peak in May, when there'll be more than a half a million learners wanting to book a test. Learner drivers who fail their driving test will now have to wait 28 days to retake it, rather than the previous 10 days. It has been extended to make learners think twice before rushing to retake their test without being prepared. Mark Wynne, chief driving examiner for DVSA, said, With nearly half of all learners still failing their first car driving test, it is clear we need to do more to make sure learner drivers only take their test when they're fully prepared. This is an article written by Toby Porter, who is the chief executive of Acorns Hospice. He writes, I often find myself deeply humbled by the stories behind the support for Acorns. This month I'd like to share two wonderful and unique examples of support and how the individuals involved are doing all they can to help raise awareness and funds for our children's hospice care. The first is a familiar face in the Worcester community, our parent carer champion, Tony Frobisher. You may have heard Tony's story and the beautiful legacy he has created for his daughter Miller, who was cared for at Acorns in the three counties during her life. You may also have encountered his gallant fundraising efforts for Acorns over the years, too numerous to list here. I'd like to extend heartfelt congratulations to Tony, who was announced as a baton bearer in the Queen's Baton Relay this summer. This prestigious honour recognises remarkable individuals who are, quote, always willing to take on a challenge and have a unique and inspiring story, who have made meaningful contributions to charity. Tony has undoubtedly done both and is absolutely worthy of selection. The second example of support is the fantastic Worcester Boys, that's B-U-O-Y-S, Matt Bladen and George Farmelow. This fine duo is preparing to row the Atlantic for acorns in memory of a very special boy. They'll be taking on the 3,000-mile Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge in order of Jack, in honour, sorry, of Jack Dyer, who spent many happy days at Acorns during his life and received end-of-life care at our hospice in Worcester. It's an incredible feat, and everyone here at Acorns wishes them the very best with our sincere thanks. While these examples are inspired by personal connections to our charity, we're honoured and truly grateful to enjoy the support of those within our community who simply and most admirably wish to help their local children's hospice. Whichever category you fall into, we could not continue our care for local children and families without you. Thank you. Singers are wanted to take part in the world premiere of the latest product by an award-nominated duo. Musical director Jim Inesanand and artistic director Steve Conway are the team behind the successful Budley Passion Plays, which earned them the nomination for the prestigious National Jerusalem Award. They also staged Forest, River and Royals, a musical celebration of Budley's heritage. The pair were keen to build on this success 
and once Covid's restrictions were eased, they set about creating a production which would feature local actors and singers. Their new venture, Guillotine, is a fully sung-through musical based on Charles Dickens' novel A Tale of Two Cities. It's based on a version Jim originally staged in the USA as a play with music. On seeing a video of the original production, Steve realised there was potential to turn it into a full-scale musical, and Jim has reworked the original music and lyrics to achieve this. As a first step, Guillotine will be staged as a concert version in February 2023 as part of the Budley Festival. Jim said, I approached the festival because of their mission is to bring the best to Budley and bring out the best of Budley with regards to the arts. It's a bit of a departure from their usual musical genre, but the festival community received the idea with great enthusiasm. The production team, which also includes former BBC producer Lizzie Lane, will be holding auditions at St George's Hall, Budley, on the evening of Monday, May the 16th. Preparations for the show will be in two parts. Steve said, During the summer we'll be holding workshops to develop the production to its full potential and formal rehearsals will then start towards the end of the year. It's a great opportunity for singers and actors to be involved in creating and performing an exciting new musical which has the potential to go far. For more information about the auditions and a list of character descriptions, Contact Steve Conway on 01562 850054 or 07774 252992 or email Steve or Stephen at stephen.conway2012 at btinternet.com. A weekend bus service running between Worcester and Malvern has been axed. First bus confirmed it was ending the 44 service on Sundays and reducing it altogether. The service, popular with people trying to reach the city to do some weekend shopping, is being removed, with services being reduced from every 20 minutes to every 30. The announcement is the latest in a series from First Bus, with the operator announcing it would end the popular 144 bus from Worcester to Birmingham last month. Following an outcry from users of the service, the bus provider and Worcestershire County Council announced it would continue for a short period while a solution is found. The council had been overlooked for £86 million in funding for public transport after the Department for Transport said its bid lacked imagination, giving the county nothing. The government published its £3 billion national bus strategy, known as Bus Back Better, in March last year, with the main aim of getting more people travelling on buses. The strategy said the only way to achieve this is to make buses a practical and attractive alternative to the car. West Worcestershire MP Harriet Baldwin called for a review of the decision, accusing First Bus of waving the white flag. She said, I am disappointed by the decision taken by First Bus and particularly saddened at how it is waving the white flag of surrender over bus service provision. Over the years, I've spoken up for specific bus routes and have been assured that First Bus is committed to the county and delivering services, which my constituents rely on. That assurance now looks far from reliable. 
Mrs Baldwin added she had spoken to County Council Highways Chief Councillor Alan Amos about what can be done. She said, I've also spoken to the district councils about supporting innovative transport schemes, particularly for young people who are now excluded from travelling to and from study or work. I've also asked Councillor Amos to properly review bus service provision to ensure that it is an open and competitive market which will allow all bus companies to compete for routes. Here's a nice story. Brothers become dads on the same day. Two brothers have become fathers for the first time within hours of each other. George Robinson and his brother Joe welcomed their bundles of joy within two hours at Worcestershire Royal. George and partner Haley had Oliver Robinson, who weighed £8.3 ounces, on April the 18th, which was his due date. Then Joe and partner Ellie welcomed Reginald Robinson five days early, and he weighed £7.3. Both babies, whose families live in Redditch, were born in the same delivery suite and shared the same midwife, Amy. Grandmother Sarah said, It's all been a bit of a whirlwind. The boys are beautiful and they both look like their dads. Haley went into labour earlier than expected, but luckily everything turned out great. There's been an overwhelming response from the Redditch community, giving their best wishes, and the lads would both like to say thank you. The family, which owns Robinson Tree Surgery in Oakenshaw, is now looking forward to another arrival in September, when older brother Tom and his wife are also expecting their first child. And this is about um, a judge blasted an inmate accused of attempting to murder a prison officer as he refused him a change of legal team for a fifth time. David Bieber, also known as Nathan Coleman, is accused of attempting to murder Alison Smith at HMP Long Latin. The 55-year-old originally denied the attempted murder wounding her with intent to do her grievous bodily harm and unauthorised possession in prison of a knife or offensive weapon, a pronged metal bar, when he appeared at Worcester Crown Court back in 2019. The trial has been rescheduled an astonishing eight times, with trial dates in May 2019, November 2019, January 2020... April 2020, September 2020, February 2021 and October 2021, all missed. Worcester Crown Court heard an application for the transfer of legal aid to another set of lawyers on Tuesday. Michael Anning, the most recent to represent Bieber, told the court that prior to him taking on the case, He was aware of issues with legal representation in the past. He said due to that, he and his legal firm had done their utmost to remain on this case, but it had now reached the point they have become professionally embarrassed and had to withdraw. Mr Anning explained it would be impossible to continue to represent Bieber as the defendant had been changing his instructions on both the approach to the defence and the factual basis for it. Another solicitor, Andrew Malloy, said he was prepared to take on representing Bieber, but when asked by Judge Nicholas Cartwright if he could guarantee the current trial date of June the 13th this year would go ahead, Mr Malloy replied that he couldn't. Judge Cartwright told Bieber 
that he was not prepared to grant another transfer of aid to a legal team and every effort has been made to assist David Bieber. The judge said the situation was down to David Bieber's actions in the past three years. He has no intention of conducting himself in a way that will permit this trial to be smooth running. The judge said he would give a week to decide if Mr Anning wished to remain on the case, to which the barrister replied, We have reflected on more than one occasion on this issue. I'm afraid the position is firmly set. The judge said if Bieber was unrepresented during his trial, the court would appoint an advocate to act on his behalf to conduct any cross-examination of the complainant. The next hearing is on Monday. That's next Monday. Right, we've got one time for one more very short story before we move on to the sport. Um, and this is a date for your diaries because the Hive Library is celebrating its 10-year anniversary later this year. July will mark 10 years that the county's largest library has been open in the city centre as a partnership between the University of Worcester and Worcestershire County Council. It was originally opened by Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth in July 2012 as part of her Diamond Jubilee tour. The celebration will consist of an exhibition marking the Queen's visits to Worcestershire over the last 70 years. This milestone is being celebrated with a series of events and exhibitions that showcases the history of the hive and what the future of the site holds. The celebrations are due to start in May, with activities ranging from the launch of a poetry library workshop with a children's illustrator, digital drop-in sessions and a heritage jubilee exhibition. Celebrations for the anniversary will culminate on Saturday, July the 2nd, when the Hive hosts a day of free, fun activities for families, including circus skills, comedy performances, a giant marble run, and the opportunity for children to work with a local artist to create a piece of artwork to mark the celebration. So, watch out Saturday, July the 2nd. Right, well, that concludes the local news stories for the moment, and we will move seamlessly on to sport. So, Phil, I think you've got the first story for us, if you'd like to take it away. It's about cricket, now that the season is well and truly underway. Maiden century, Haynes' first turn helps pairs to unlikely draw. Jack Haynes scored his maiden first-class century as he and Azarali guided Worcestershire to a commendable draw with Durham in their county championship clash at New Road on Sunday. The pair started the final day on 82 for two with Azar and Haynes at the crease and they both withstood the pressure from the Durham attack to force a draw. Haynes was unbeaten at the close with 120 whilst Azar fell just short of a century with 92. The Pakistan international batsman edged Chris Rushworth to second slip for the only wicket of the day. Haynes remained unbeaten and after the game spoke of his relief at finally getting over the line. A massive relief, he said. I thought I'd nicked it straight to second slip, to be honest, so I was a bit worried at first, but obviously pretty pleased when they missed it. I was waiting for the right ball and thought if I kept it on the ground, I could get away. I got a bit lucky with the shot, but sometimes you need a bit of luck. Durham had dominated the match after Ben Stokes' incredible record-breaking innings on day two when he hit 17 sixes in his T20-style 161 knock. The visitors already bowled out Worcestershire once, but they could not break through the second time. Haynes admitted the Durham attack was relentless, but commended his partner for his contribution. They didn't let up 
They just kept coming at you, he added, so it was a good test. Azar was great. It was wonderful to have someone like him at the other end. I would love to have seen him get to three figures, but it didn't happen. Worcestershire took 12 points from the draw, but remained in sixth position in the Division 2 table. A cup treble. Plums upset the odds one final time as they beat Morven to lift third trophy of the season. It's been a remarkable season for Pershaw Town and they capped off their 2021-22 season with a third cup win after beating the higher league local rivals Morven Town in the Smedley Crook Memorial Cup final. Jordan Jones headed home after half an hour to give Pershaw the lead after Morven Town had hit the post and had a couple of chances saved by Pershaw keeper Eddie Cox. Morven's Ben Hayes hit the post in the second half and Pershaw spurned numerous opportunities to seal it but in the end held on to beat a side a level above themselves for the ninth time this season. Having already won the Worcestershire FA Senior Cup and Hellenic League Supplementary Cup, Pershaw added a third trophy to their cabinet to conclude what has been a stunning campaign. And back to cricket again. Uh, This is looking forward. Worcestershire have received a boost to their bowling attack as the pace duo of Dylan Pennington and Charlie Morris are back. Following injuries and illness, and they're back for the trip to Derbyshire today. That's Thursday, May the 12th. The pair missed the draw with Durham last week. Morris to an injury and Pennington Pennington to a stomach bug. But both are a welcomed addition for the trip to the undefeated Derbyshire. Head coach Alex Gidman confirmed the fit again duo have been added to the 11 on duty against Durham. It's nice to have the options available again, and with Ben, Gibbon and Adam Finch performing pretty well last week, it's obviously put us in good position again numbers-wise. The entertaining draw last week will have acted as a morale boost to a Worcestershire side who have enjoyed an encouraging start to the 2022 LV Insurance County Championship campaign. The pair's impressed in the first two games, coming agonisingly close to winning the opener against Leicestershire before a resounding victory over Sussex. They showed good character to battle hard in the defeat to Nottinghamshire before last week's unlikely draw after the heroics of Ben Stokes for Durham. Gidman has liked what he has seen so far. We've had four games. The first two games we've played extremely well in and beat or came close to beating teams on an even keel with us in terms of where they would see themselves, he said. We've had two really tough tests two weeks ago versus Nottinghamshire and last week and our performances have been outstanding. Obviously, we haven't managed to get a win in those games, but there is no disgrace in the way the lads have performed at all. And now for some rugby. Garvey bringing career to an end. After 13 years, Worcester Warriors second row Matt Garvey has announced that he'll hang his boots up at the end of the 2021-22 season. The former London Irish Bath and Gloucester lock has had limited game time this season with Worcester after being brought in by former head coach Jonathan Thomas last summer. Garvey is 34 and has made over 180 appearances in England's top flight league since he made his debut for London Irish back in 2010. He's also won representative honours with England Saxons and captained Bath between 2017 and 2019 during his seven-year stint at the REC. I loved every minute of my 13 seasons in professional rugby and it's something I never thought that I would have been able to achieve, Garvey said. 
I've made some friends in rugby that transcend the sport and I'm grateful to all the clubs that gave me the opportunity to represent them. Running out at Twickenham with my two kids as captain of Bath in the clash was a treasured moment, as was playing in a premiership final. Rugby has given me the chance to travel all over Europe and play in some of the biggest stadiums. It's given me the chance to see different places and to play with and against world-class players. A huge thank you to my family who've supported me through my journey and also to all the coaches and teammates who have helped me. And this is another rugby, rugby union warriors. Worcester Warriors have unveiled former England international Nick Easter as the club's new defence and forwards coach. Easter will arrive at Six Ways ahead of the 2022-23 from Newcastle Falcons, where he is defence coach. He will take over the defence coach role from Johnny Bell, who is rejoining Ulster at the end of the current season, and take on the forwards coaching duties previously held by Jonathan Thomas, who left Warriors in January. As well as a spell at Newcastle, Easter has had two seasons in Super Rugby as defence and forwards coach with Durban-based Sharks and two seasons as defence coach of Harlequins, the club he represented a record 281 times. Former number 8 Easter won 54 caps between 2007 and 2015 and played in three Rugby World Cups. He'll bring outstanding playing and coaching experience at the top level to his new role at Six Ways. Nick will be a huge addition to our management team, said Steve Diamond, Warriors' lead rugby consultant. He has vast playing experience at the highest level and he's served an excellent coaching apprenticeship at Harlequins, Sharks and Newcastle. And to finish on the sport, just a couple of uh, short little bits of news um, and to show that we cover everything we possibly can. The future looks bright for Worcester City Youth, this is football by the way, after its youngest age group won the Nerf Junior Premier League Spring Championship. City's under eights, I love that, travelled down to Rectory Park in Middlesex where they beat Forza Bradford 10-2. So well done to them. And netball, must keep, uh, you know, keep it Fair, girls and boys. A costly third quarter for seven stars saw their hopes of consecutive wins end in defeat in Cardiff against Celtic Dragons in the Vitality Netball Super League. Stars started brightly and led at the end of the first quarter, but their opponents opened up a significant 12-goal lead in the third period that, despite the away side's best efforts, proved too much to recover as they went down 57-51. So, actually had some sport on this occasion. And we will uh, come to the end of our recording, first of all, with the thought for the week, uh, which, Phil, I think you're going to read for us, if you wouldn't mind. Yes, this one comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. So when they met together, they asked Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Thank you very much. And the sunrise and sunset times. uh, The sun rose this morning at 5.19am. That's Thursday, May the 12th. And the sunset tonight is 8.52pm. Birthdays. We have four birthdays to celebrate in the coming week. 
on the 17th of May, it's Diane Smith's birthday. The 18th, it's Anita Borgart's birthday. The 20th is Rita Smith. And the 22nd is Gillian Mann. So may we wish you all a very happy birthday and hope the sun shines on you on your special day. And I think that concludes this week's recording. Uh, We've just about covered everything we can do. I'd like to thank tonight's readers, Phil and Jane, and John in his ivory tower on production and recording. Thank you all. And wish you a very happy week ahead and say goodbye. 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 And goodbye from me. And here are the obituaries. Alwyn McKinley passed away on the 23rd of April. A memorial service will be held at Whittington Village Hall on the 17th of May 2022 at 2pm. Donations can be made to St Richard's Hospice or Acorns Children's Hospice. Care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors, 5456 Barbourne Road, Worcester, WR1 1JA. Lawrence Malcolm Warwick died on 17th of April. The funeral service will take place on Friday the 13th of May, that's tomorrow, at St Michael's Church, Elmley Lovett at 2.30. Family flowers only, please, with donations to St Michael's Church, Elmley Lovett. All inquiries to George Crump and Son, funeral directors, 01905-773339. Leighton Davis passed away on the 21st of April. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Cathedral on Wednesday the 18th of May at 2.30, followed by a committal at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only, please. Any donations to Worcester Cathedral and Age UK sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, St John's, Worcester, WR25BT, and the telephone number is 01905 748811. Iris Goss passed away on April the 24th. The funeral service will be at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on Thursday, May the 19th at 12 noon. Family flowers only. Donations, if desired, to Save the Children or Cancer Research UK. And these may be sent to F.W. Spilsbury, Funeral Director, 12 Upper Housel Road, Malvern, Worcestershire, WR14 1TL or sent direct to the charity. David Kirk passed away on the 24th of April. Funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on the 18th of May at 12.15. Family flowers only. Donations, if desired, to be sent to Kidney Care UK or can be left on the collection plate as you leave the chapel. For all funeral inquiries, contact Co-op Funeral Care on 01905 Reginald Starkey, Reg, passed away peacefully in hospital on the 25th of April 2022, aged 93 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday 13th of May at 9.30am. Family flowers only, please. Inquiries to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Peter Taylor. 
ex-catering manager for Worcestershire Hospitals, passed away peacefully at home on April the 17th, 2022, aged 83 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday, May the 17th at 2022 at 12.15pm. Family files only, please, but donations, if desired, for cat's protection may be sent to F.W. Spilsbury, Funeral Director, 12 Upper Housel Road, Malvern, Worcestershire, WR 14 1TL. Ian Kennedy passed away peacefully on 19th April 2022, aged 87. A celebration of Ian's life will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 16th of May at 10.15. Please feel free to wear colours. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for the Stroke Association may be left at the service or via https dot dot slash slash www.stroke.org.uk slash donation slash make dash donation. Robert Jeffrey Lunn, Bob, died on the 20th of April, aged 82. Funeral will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 13th of May at 3.15pm. Donations to the Air Ambulance. Hazel Thelma Spencer suddenly passed away peacefully in her sleep at home on the 18th of April 2022, aged 63 years. The funeral service will be held at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 20th of May 2022 at 1pm. Hazel loved flowers, but donations, if desired, can be made to Diabetes UK. David Craven of Kemsey passed away peacefully in hospital on the 21st of April, age 63. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 16th of May at 3.15pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Cancer Research UK or St Richard's Hospice may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Alan Partridge passed away peacefully on 25th of April, aged 72. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 19th of May at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Anthony Michael Ashmore passed away peacefully in Worcestershire Royal Hospital on the 23rd of April, aged 77. Funeral service to take place at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, Fladbury on Thursday the 19th of May at 11am. Family flowers only, please, but donations to Parkinson's UK can be sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, St John's, Worcester, WR2 5BT, telephone number 01905 748811. June Dorothy Humphreys, née Tyrrell, formerly Ricketts, left us on 28th of April, aged 85 years. To celebrate June's life, the service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 23rd of May at 10.45am. 
Family flowers only, please, with donations to St Richard's Hospice sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, St John's, Worcester, WR2 5BT, telephone number 01905 748811. At June's request, no morning clothes required. Patricia May Jennings, known as Pat, passed away peacefully on Friday the 6th of May. Funeral to take place at Worcester Crematorium, Friday the 20th of May, 1.45pm. Family flowers only. Donations will be gratefully received for St Richard's Hospice Inpatient Unit. <laughs> 